talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, once again joined by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, we're breaking down week two results, and we're talking about week three. And here we go. Ramp things up. Week three. Conference games are starting for everyone around the area now. The Western Big Six conference play kicks in. Everybody else is playing within their division or, for the most part, playing conference games. So this is kind of the real deal now. You know, it's, it's time to get going, right? Yeah, only two weeks in, but like you said, now, especially in the Western Big Six, they, they did their two weeks of crossover games, and now they're really getting into the, the nitty-gritty of, of conference play. Not that their first two weeks don't matter or don't count for anything, but but now we really get into those intriguing matchups. And, and yeah, in the other conferences, uh, they just keep going along, and we've seen really good results from week one and week two, so it's just going to set up these next seven weeks for a really exciting finish. Yeah, the Lincoln Trail and the Northwest Upstate Illini have already played some conference games but the Three Rivers has done their crossover games in the first two weeks. And now, for the most part, there's one more crossover game this week, but everybody else will be jumping into divisional plays. They're playing teams within their own division. So, you know, you're going to find those local rivalries and, you know, things are really going to pick up. Before we get going here, Mitch, did you see that we're now over 500 followers on Twitter? How cool is that? I, I, I didn't expect it. I'll say that. It's just, a, you know, this little this little fun uh, show that we, we put together and it's cool to see people follow along and we're we, we're more than more than thrilled about it. Yeah. I mean, we were thrilled when numbers started jumping up and we hit 400 and then, you know, then we boom, we jumped to 500. When it was when it was, when it was 100, it was cool. So, you know, uh, yeah. So thank you to everyone uh, for continuing to listen and uh, we hope you like uh, what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to everyone who listens, who subscribes, who follows along on Twitter. Um, with the celebration of 500, we wanted to uh, give you a little bit extra this week. So we actually, uh, I recorded a bonus podcast, which is kind of a look behind the scenes. You know, Mitch, you used to help me out on Friday nights when I'd cover, uh, you know, high school football games for the local TV stations. And I still continue to do that, helping out WQAD. So this week, I wanted to give people you know, a little look into what goes into that and kind of the hours that goes into getting everything on the air for that, you know, minutes worth of highlights or 30 seconds worth of highlights sometimes. So, you know, we kind of just uh, do timestamps along the way. And then at the end, we have a little fun talking to Matt Randazzo, Corey Coupler, Celia Palermo, and Brian Stocking. They're, they're the four that kind of make the, you know, make the machine go over at WQAD on their, uh, the score on Friday nights at 1035. So if you're listening to this, uh, stick around when this episode's over and jump right into that bonus episode. We got two for one this week, Mitch. Yeah, that's that's certainly a show that I'm really excited to, to listen to because that's and we've talked about it before on the show that that putting those shows together, uh, it, it's really hard to put into words. And, you know, even even what you're what uh, what, what you did and people being able to listen to it. We'll, we'll still, you know, no offense, we'll only still only tell part of the story because it's so hard to really capture what those nights go into. Um, it'd be more of a good, like, 30 for 30, like a really, you know, <laughs> 30 for 30 short, could just where you could really see how much travel goes into those. So, yeah, really looking forward to the show. Well, now you got me thinking maybe I need to, like, hire my wife to follow along with camera and with me mic'd up the whole time 
and then yeah. we'll really get the full experience. But yeah, it's that'd be that'd be something. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely um, what I want to say is you know controlled, organized chaos. Sometimes right. it's just pure chaos. Yeah. Um. You know. So listen in and see what last Friday was like. And uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And I'll say that it, it was a good listen, especially when you get to the end and we can kind of sit around and you know just kind of shoot the breeze about Fridays and what it means to all of us and kind of how long we've been doing it. And um, yeah, so thank you so much again to everyone who listens to follow along. And uh, you know, I hope you're having as much fun as we are because it's been a lot of fun for both me and you. So Mitch, without further ado, let's jump in here. Western Big Six yeah. Week Two scoreboard. I think we got to start with a tough loss for Sterling. They lose 17-10 to Montini. But when you look at it and you think it was a close game, that doesn't really tell the full story. It was a close game, but then you realize Sterling was down 17-0 at one point in this game. They come back, they get an interception return for a touchdown by A.J. Kested, and they get a field goal in the third quarter. So that makes it a one-score difference. The Golden Warriors then drive down to the Broncos' 35-yard line with just about two minutes left in the game. Unfortunately, it was back-to-back sacks for Montini, and that would end it. Man, they're just such a good program, and it's just it, – it's hard. It's hard to beat a program that's that good year in and year out. And Sterling – and I give him credit. I tip the hat to him. Man, they gave it to him, and they stuck around. And defense really kept him in this game. But it's just, you know, it's a heartbreaker. They fell just – you know, a touchdown short. Yeah. Uh, like you said, kudos to, you know, uh, the powers that be that made this game uh, two really good, you know, power programs. You don't get to see each other very often and, and they're not even in the same class. So they wouldn't see each other in, in the playoffs either. So yeah, not this of, year they ha- they have in the past, yeah, but not right. this year, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So kudos to, to those who, who got that game together uh, and, and, you know, uniform matchup of the week, by the way, I, I said that last week uh, in the preview, um, but you nailed it. This was really a defensive battle. Um, Montini and Sterling really just kind of traded the few shots that they were able to, to have um, and in games like that, you really have to do, you have to do that. You have to take advantage of any opening that you see because they're not going to, you know, come to uh, too often. Um, one thing I did see that I liked um, Jim Spencer, the, uh, the Sterling announcer had tweeted something out that uh, warrior quarterback drew Kested got knocked out late in the game and he, and he tweeted out a picture of a Montini player coming over to talk to him after the game. And I, th- I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, this has been such a, a year for these players. Um, and, and, you know, we hope that he's okay. Um, but we, we'd love to see that there's in, in the heat of battle that sportsmanship shines. And uh, so kudos to Montini for being a stand-up program. Um, and, and, you know, for Sterling, they're one and one. Um, and now that they're, Getting into conference play, I still think that they're in a good shape. Obviously, the, the Kestad injury plays into that. Um, but now they, they, you know, kind of turn a new page because now it's conference time. Yeah, I, you know, I give credit to Sterling for getting this game on the schedule as a non-conference game. You know, it's, it, you know, it's probably easier to, to find maybe someone that you know you match up better against. Or, you know, if you really want to just be honest about it, find someone that you could beat. You know, there, there's matchups out there that they, they could have gone for. But I think John Schlemmer and their coaching staff and their players know that if they want to be passing the test late in the season and into the playoffs, this is a good early season test. This this tells you where you're at. And I think even in a loss, I think you can see that you can hang with a really good football team. And Mm -hmm. after two weeks, after two weeks, I think that they've really they've tested themselves and to come out one and one. Sure. Anybody would love to go two and oh, 
but to end one and one, have a tough road win in week one, and then play well at home, but fall a little bit short against a good program. I think you take one and one, and hopefully you're healthy. I, I saw that um, Kested had been knocked out at the end of that game, um, knocked out of the game with an injury. I hope he's healthy. I hope it was just something short term. Um, I guess time will tell on that. But yeah, I love the moment that you talked about that Jim Spencer tweeted out. Because I think, you know, again, if we're being totally honest here, it's kind of easy when we're in this part of the state to just to hate Montini because they're just so good. And, you know, yeah. it's like the New York Yankees. They win all the time. So what's the fun right. in that? And, you know, it's easy to hate a program like that. But you saw that moment and it really humanizes every, everything. You know, it really brings it all down to another level. And you think like, yep. These are all kids battling and there's a respect there. You heard it in the post-game interviews from both sides. The respect is there for those programs. And that's, it's a great matchup. You know, I'm, I'm credit to them for scheduling it. Like we talked about, and you just love to see that sportsmanship and those teams really doing battle to the very end. Yeah. And that's, and you know, we're not, I don't want to go away from the teams that we cover, but Montini is probably going to be around in later, you know, games that we talk about come playoff time, because they're going to be seeing, I don't know if they're going to be classified as two or three. I, I don't remember, but they could potentially see a Newman. They could see a Princeton depending on where they fall. So yeah. we could be talking about Montini again, the way that they fall into the, the qualifiers this year. All right. Well, Mitch, do your homework. You got to be scouting Montini all year. Then that's the rules. Yeah. <laughs> that, that works. I'll, I'll get on it. All right. Let's keep moving along. Rock Island. They also end up at one and one. They flip, they flip the script. They lost in week one. They come back and they get a win against Dunlap, 32-14. to 14. Nice bounce back win for the Rocks. Eli Reese with a pair of touchdown passes. And also junior Quantarian Brooks, who led with 150 yards rushing and another two touchdowns. Mitch, this was a week ago, um, a Dunlap team that had beaten Galesburg 7-6. to six. So credit to Rock Island for really showing up and putting up that big-time point total like we knew that was there you know we knew that potential this is a nice bounce back win for rock island yeah uh, an offensive output that was missing in week one that really kind of surprised a lot of people um but but that we still knew was there so uh you know you can you can say that it was just week one adjustments um you know a lot of teams go through that but yeah good to see Eli Reese come back um you know a pair of touchdown passes for him and, and like you said, Quantarion Brooks, a great, a great night on the ground. So good to see Rocky um, back in the win column, one and one. Um, as, as we talked about with Sterling, now that they, they've got their two weeks in, they've got everything that they need. They're back in the win column. And now they get conference play started. Yeah. Well, speaking of teams, you know, talk about teams carrying momentum into Western Big Six play. Let's talk about United Township and Galesburg. We'll start with United Township. They get the big win, 52 to 20. They open the season 2-0 for the first time since 2002. And if you remember in the spring, which was obviously a six-game schedule, they actually started 0-2. Yep. And then they ran off four wins. So for now to go start this season on a high note at 2-0, man, things are clicking. Things are firing on all cylinders for Nick Welch and the Panthers. Yeah, and just to reiterate again what they're doing, they had to replace all 11 players on offense and I, and, and probably something similar on defense too, but I know at least on offense, they replaced every single person on there. Um, so yeah, really good to see, you know, them again, not paying attention to any, anything that, that might've suggested that they weren't going to have as good of a year or, or season here in the fall. Um, Cause yeah, two straight weeks. I know the first week was cut short by the heat, uh, but both weeks they're over, 46 points both weeks. So um, that offense just continues to shine. And it really did here uh, against East Peoria too. 
Yeah, Johnny Manzo led the rushing attack with three touchdowns. Sophomore Matthew Kelly at quarterback. He continues to look good. Three more touchdowns through the air. And just a total, you know, balanced effort on offense and really good play up front. I mean, this team is, they're really playing well. And I think what's really interesting is, you know, when you look back a few years ago, we're talking four, five, six years ago, I think United Township has scheduled East Moline, or sorry, scheduled East Peoria in the non-conference schedule before. And you look back at kind of the program and where it was and where East Peoria's program was, that game was kind of a toss-up, you know. Going into this year, I think when we looked at the schedule and we thought, no, that, that's a game where United Township's favored. They should win that game. So that's credit to Nick Welch, and that's credit to this program to where that game's not a question mark anymore. We went into it thinking, yeah, if things go the way they think they will, United Township should win this game fairly handily, and they did. They, they went and got the job done. Let's move along. Geneseo, another team winning games handily, getting the job done. They beat Sandwich 58-7. to They've put up some big-time point totals in the first two weeks. Mitch, how about sophomore quarterback A.J. Weller? Read, read me some of these numbers and tell me if you could even do it in a video game. Right. Well, and before I even say it, um, I'm wondering when the last time this ever happened at Geneseo, right? I know. It, if this isn't a school record, I would love to know what it was. And maybe it is. I just, I don't know. Uh, but like you said, sophomore quarterback, A.J. Weller, 356 yards through the air, six touchdowns on the, on the night, uh, three of which went, went to, uh, to Jaden Wenzerl. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, I uh, think so, it's close. Yeah. Yeah. So, so three went, three went to him. Um, he also added some yards on the ground. So um, yeah, what a performance, you know, this was a team that, that put in a new offensive system back in the, in the spring. And now it's, it's fully loaded, ready to go. So they, they, they trailed seven, six in this game. So they did get off to a slower start, but then they rattled off the last 51. So uh, what's, you know, what's the first quarter and a half matter when you do that? Uh, you know, for sandwich, they were plagued by, by turnovers all game, but that's where Geneseo's defense really came in. They, they force those turnovers, they get the recoveries, and then their offense comes in and scores off of most of those turnovers. So another great week for Geneseo um, and sets up a big, a big game next week. Yep. You just let into what I was going to say. 2-0 Geneseo versus 2-0 United Township to start Western Big Six play. You, you could not have drawn up the schedule any better if you, you know, pick, planned it out. Yeah, and just looking back at the notes, this is going to be a matchup that I think we should be intrigued about for the next couple of years. You have two sophomore quarterbacks who can throw through the air that are, you know, hopefully going to see each other uh, and lead their uh, respective programs for the next couple of seasons. That's really exciting. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, there is a lot of talent, you know, around the air, around the Western Big Six. But you look at those two being sophomores. Yeah, that, that's really exciting. We'll talk about that game in a minute when we get through, uh, talk about week three previews. But let's go to Moline falls to Bennett Academy 23-21. They lost at home. Man, great game against a really solid opponent for Moline. They fall just short. Matthew Bailey had 188 yards and three touchdowns. Moline was unable to score on its final two possessions, and that's what led to the two-point difference. But, you know, I think if Moline's hanging around with Bennett Academy in week two, I think that's a good sign for this team. It's a good sign for moving forward into Western Big Six play. Yeah, and kind of like what we talked about with Rock Island, um, two offenses that we knew what they're capable of, but maybe didn't show it in week one. Uh, and Moline's no different here in week two, despite the loss. You get Matthew Bailey back on track. Um, and, and like you said, 
despite the loss, you, you, you get a lot of experience playing a really good team um, in a game that they're going to say that they should have won. And, and you know, um, they have every right to say that. So uh, they'll learn from this. They certainly will. Um, and they'll move forward. Yep. Let's move along down the list here. Galesburg falls on the road to Morton 34 to 21. So the Galesburg Silver Streaks now sitting at 0-2. They actually led this game 14-13 at halftime, but outscored 21-7 in the second half. Senior wideout uh, Drea Gypsiaco had eight catches for 178 yards and a touchdown. Man, they have playmakers, Mitch. They have a lot of returning talent on that team. And man, something's not clicking right now. I mean, they're, they're, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit sitting at 0 and two heading into conference play. Yeah. You, you see that they, like you mentioned that they had the lead, you know, so they, they know that they can get off to a hot start. Um, and, and now it's just about how do you keep it? You know, how do you hold that lead and come out of that locker room with that same intensity and that same firepower that you had? Um, so it's good to see the fight. Like, like you said, we, we you know, we don't want to see <laughs> when, when teams are 0-2 like they are. But um, when you got guys like Egyptiaco um, and the new coaching staff and all the players that they have, I, I don't think this is by any means, uh, you know, a sign of things to come because they already kind of showed that they're there in that first half leading it. So they just have to put it all together. Um, and and we're, we're, we're thinking that they can. So hope, hopefully they will. And uh, as they get into conference play. Yeah, I – I, this team is better than 0-2. I, you know, it's better than an 0-2 record. And I think that somewhere along the line, you know, they're going to they're gonna steal some wins in the Western Big Six. I really believe that. You know, I hope that they have, you know, enough to get to the, you know, the five wins or the six wins to make themselves playoff eligible. I think this is a team that had a lot of returning talent and had, you know, some pretty high expectations. And so they have work to do. You know, they, they got their work cut out for them. But I think, man, it's all still ahead of you. You know, conference play coming now. Kind of hit that refresh button and get, and get going if you're Galesburg. Let's keep looking down the list. Another couple of games to talk about. Quincy gets a win over Alton, 27-20. to 20. So they're 1-1 one one heading into big six play. Allman falls 59 to nothing to Quincy Notre Dame. So they're 0-2 heading into Western big six play. So Mitch, here we go. Let's look ahead into week three. The conference is starting for the Western big six. United Township at, Gales, or at Geneseo. Galesburg at Sterling, Moline at Quincy, Rock Island at Alleman. Okay, so I'll, I'll challenge you then. If you can't say United Township and Geneseo, what's the next game on your list? Uh, I'll go. I'll go Moline Quincy. Okay. Uh, you know, a, a battle of one and one teams who can get that second win. Moline obviously coming off that close loss. Quincy coming off with a close win. So. Um, who can who can take that first step in conference play here in week three? So I'm looking I'm looking there. That game is at Quincy, tough place to play for Moline, um, and so I look to that to be a shootout. Really, I think both those offenses will will come to play. Yep. If I'm looking down the list, I'm looking Galesburg at Sterling. You know, I think that there's um, you know there's easy to say well Sterling's at home and they're the you know better program over the last five years, 10 years, or however long you want to say, but man, it's what we've just talked about. And I, I hate to sound like a, you know, like a broken record, but I still think there's talent at Galesburg. And I think that's a game that I kind of look to, but let's go to the game that I think we both circle as maybe the game of the week, maybe yep. for everybody in our area, certainly in yep. the Western big six United township at Geneseo. What do you see in this one? It's at Geneseo. So United township goes to a tough place to play. Where, yep. where do you put, where's your head go for this one? 
I, I I'm not hope, telling you, I'm not telling you make predictions. I don't want to put you out to there to get, yeah. you know, ridiculed. I hope the, yeah. I hope the defenses are ready. I'll, I'll say that. Cause I think this will be uh, a game that, that is really played through the air. Um, and that, you know, um, you look at what both of these teams have done in the past couple of weeks, they both had really big blowout wins. Um, obviously UT won 46 enough in the first week and that was only through half and, and Geneseo's defense has played good um, all season but now you get two aerial teams and that'll be the first first test really or the best test I should say for each team uh, so far uh, early on in this uh, in this season but two teams that that really have stood out so far as the true contenders to take Sterling's crown and they have to one of them has to win that's that's the uh you know, the, uh, the bad part about this or, or the uh, unfortunate for one team, because only one team's going to come out of this. And uh, when, whenever either one plays Sterling will be, you know, maybe what determines the conference. So uh, big implications uh, here this week in that game. I think when I look at this game, I think it, it starts up front for which team can control the line of scrimmage, which team's offensive line can, can maintain, can hold their ground because you got sophomore quarterbacks on each side of the ball. So yep. can one of these defenses break through that line, break through an offensive line and really get a quarterback rattled, get him where yep. he doesn't have time to set, can't find his wide receiver, has to scramble. It's just that, you know, if they have time to get comfortable on the opposite side of things, I think that's where these offenses can be dangerous. They get a little confidence early on. They got time to find a receiver. That's when they start clicking. So I think I really look for that line play to dictate how this game goes. Yeah, and, and like you said, two, you know, and, and as we've talked about really all show, two young quarterbacks. So who has, uh, you know, who can handle that pressure a little more? Because maybe this is the first first uh, game that they're going to be up against, a, uh, or, or at least it'll be a bigger challenge than maybe they've, they've been up uh, so far. So which quarterback can handle the pressure and can lead his team to victory? Uh, all, all good viewpoints that we're going to be uh, looking at. Absolutely. So it'll be really interesting. We'll go through it one more time. United Township at Geneseo, Galesburg at Sterling, Moline taking the road trip to Quincy and Rock Island looking to build on some momentum at Alleman. So there's your look at the Western Big Six. Man, I'm excited to get Western Big Six yep. play going, man. It's it's always a fun conference, but this year really seems like we're going to see some good stuff. So we'll, we'll see how it all starts playing out. Let's move to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. And Mitch, when we're starting in the three rivers, I think there's one team that has really set the tone. They're the team that, you know, they're they're topping the list here for us. Princeton, 2-0. They get the 45-7 win against Orion. They led this one 35 to nothing in the first quarter. So they, I mean, they left no doubt about it. They've yep. beaten, they've beaten their opposition this year so far, 93 to 14 over Rock Ridge and Orion. So, and we'll get to Rock Ridge in a minute. They looked really good this week and got yep. a good win. So yep. that really is an impressive win for Princeton. But, man, they, they look good. They, they continue to roll. Yeah. Um, and, and really, when you look at the scoreline, the scary thing is for, for the rest of the conference is that Coach Pearson thought that they could have played a lot better. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to dig into those comments very much because I look at that scoreline and what they did in the first quarter and wonder, you know, how, <laughs> but um, that's a good mentality to have too, as they, as they get ready. Cause you know, playing in three, they're going to play smaller schools in this conference and, and they might uh, have a result like this more times than not, but you want to have that mindset. Once you get to that playoff time, where you are going to be facing bigger schools. 
Um, so good for good for them to, to recognize that they want to be absolutely perfect on every snap of every game. Yeah. So the article you're referencing, uh, the Friday Night Drive uh, article, Kevin Hieronymus out of Princeton wrote the article. Shout Quick shout out to Friday Night Drive. If you yeah. don't subscribe to that, man, it's an awesome, it's a collection of newspapers from around the state and they're covering high school football from pretty much anywhere you can think of. Big schools, small schools, they get a lot of schools in our area. It's, it's a lot of stuff every Friday night and into Saturday yep. morning. You can scroll through the app and find every article. It's really good. So anyway, that's where uh, the quotes came from. And yeah, Pearson referenced penalties and a couple fumbles, um, two lost fumbles. So yeah, like you said, even in a win, a great team is not satisfied. They want to be as close to perfect as you can possibly be. So, you know, but man, they, they look good. They look really good. Junior quarterback Tegan Davis accounted for four touchdowns for the second week in a row. He uh, ran for two, threw for two, uh, Danny Shikaki, and um, he hit for two touchdowns through the air. Um, what else do we have? Senior Ian Compton um, had a 44-yard interception return for a pick six. And also Shikaki and Bennett Sirens also had interceptions. So both sides of the ball, they're getting the job done offensively and defensively. Augie Christensen had a 15-yard touchdown run. So plenty of stats and numbers to throw out for Princeton. We're trying to get as many names in there as we can. So yeah, and, and you know, just just how do you how do you stop it? You know, Davis had 116 on the ground and 175 through the air. So just yeah. you know, the definition of a dual threat there for the Tigers. So um and again, like we talked about, a kid who didn't play quarterback last year. So really cool to see his athleticism shine um, as, as the Tigers just the, – the drum just keeps on going. Just just a, a powerhouse that just won't stop. Yep. Well, let's move along to another 2-0 and team in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Mendota gets the big 57-20 to win over Riverdale. So, Mitch, two games in the Three Rivers, and they're 2-0. and So I'd say that's a pretty good start for the Trojans. Yeah, uh, a tough a tough win in week one over EP, and then they they run away in this one uh, over Riverdale, like I said, a 37-point victory. They had 420 yards of offense, uh, averaging right at seven and a half per play. So that's uh, you know, that's gonna be tough to stop when you're when you have an output like that. A name that we talked about in the preseason, uh, their quarterback, Ted Langreff, had a great game. Uh, he was seven to thirteen for 109 yards, including two scores to Emilio Perez. Uh, and really even with that, they also have a ground game. Uh, Anthony Childs and Uzi Angelo led the way for them. They combined for 25 rushing attempts for 250 yards. Um, I, I think Riverdale had close to 300 total yards too. So um, they were able to get into the end zone a couple of times, but Mendota's defense also came up, um, you know, stopped them where they could and the offense took over from there. So yeah, like you said, two wins in, in the, the debut year for them uh, and they're looking good. Yeah, keep moving down to another team that's 2-0. And, you know, maybe a surprise team at 2-0, the Bureau Valley Storm. They get a big win, 50-7 to over Sherrard. They're now 3-0 against Sherrard in the series history. Logan Hardy with three touchdown runs. And also, Jaden Micklig had an interception in the first drive of the defensive drive of the game. He had a fumble recovery on Bureau Valley's second defensive possession of the game. And then he ran for 100 yards and had two touchdowns in the game. So that was yeah. good enough for, again, Friday Night Drive. That was good enough for one of their MVPs of the week. So, you know, shout out to Jaden. That, that is a huge effort. And, man, credit to Coach Pistol and the Bureau Valley yep. Storm sitting at 2-0. and And, Mitch, this is a program that we know, like, what the history has been and how good that program has been. And it just 
it didn't seem right when they're, you know, going 0 and 9 for a season or losing games like they were. This feels right. This feels better, right? Yeah, not not to not to really use a you know play on words, but they they were in the valley, right? They they were up. You're right. And they were they were down, and now they're they're starting to ascend a little more. So it's such a cool story. Um, you know, congrats to to the kids and to Coach Pistol. Um, because I, I wonder when the last time they put up 50 points was. So good to see good to see those numbers. Logan Hardy has been a monster both weeks. Um, and, and now they really get to see it because we'll, we'll talk about the matchups in a little bit, but now they face two in O Mendota in week three. So, um, which team is for real, uh, that I think that they're going to leave that all on the field. So, uh, that'll be a, a spoiler alert, a game that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, definitely. Another potential game of the week right there. All right, let's keep moving down the list. Peru St. Bede gets the 15 to 13 win over Erie Prophetstown. They're now two and O. Erie Provincetown led seven to nothing at half. Uh, Kobe Franks hit Mason Misfeld just before the half to give them the lead. Panther defense did great work in the first half. I believe they held the Bruins to 27 yards. So really great job by Erie Provincetown. But man, unfortunately, or if you're the St. Pete Bruins, fortunately for them, they have Tyreek Fortney in their backfield. And that kid in the second half came alive. He accounted for both Bruins touchdowns with 10 minutes left in the game. One was a nine-yard run, the other one an 83-yard pass from John Brady. That kid's electric, and man, he stepped He stepped up. He showed up when his team really needed him. Yeah, uh, I mean, all the all the kudos in the world to Erie Provincetown for keeping this offense in check, because this is a, a, a St. B team that I think has won seven of their last eight games, dating back to the, to the spring. And to keep Fortney on the ground, uh, so to speak, um, in check is really an impressive feat that not many teams can do. Both of the, the Bruins touchdowns came with, with under 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, and I think both of his scores really were in a three minute, uh, time window. So, um, but even then Greg run us through what happened after that. I was going to say, yeah, this would be, this would be, I think with about, I think EP got the ball back with about seven minutes left in the game. So I'm seeing Erie Prophetstown again, Franks to Misfeld, 11-yard touchdown uh, with under three minutes to play to take a 13-12 lead. The Bruins then come right back, drive downfield. Senior Steven Shaver connects on a 25-yard field goal as time expires to win the game. So credit to St. B, a senior kicker. Credit to Shaver. Man, that's clutch. That's a clutch yep. kick. St. Bede moves to 2-0. Yeah. Um, and, and again, a lot of credit to Erie Provincetown. They, they had a close, a close loss in, in week one to Mendota and a, a close loss here to St. Bede. Two losses, two very close losses against two really good teams. So I, I think there are a lot of good things to come for Erie Provincetown when you're uh, when you're putting up an effort like that against two really good teams in the conference. So uh, keep your heads up, Panthers, because uh, I think uh, I wouldn't look at that record and think too much. Yeah, I was going to say, they, you know, they got the short end of the, the deal here because they faced Mendota as a crossover game and St. Beat as a crossover game. And then looking down the way in week seven, their crossover game, their other one is against Bureau Valley. So they, they yep. got their work cut out for them in those crossover games. But that being said, hopefully that means that they're battle tested and maybe we'll see what they can do, you know, come, you know, their divisional play. But yeah, credit to them and obviously credit to St. Bede for yep. you know, gutting out a win, for coming back and not giving up on that one. That's a big victory for the Bruins. Let's move along to Rock Ridge Newman. 
Rock Ridge moves to one and one. This is a huge bounce back game, Mitch. I mean, you look at the way that Princeton won the game against them in week one, that had to be tough to walk off that field for a Rock Ridge team that was so, had so much momentum coming off the spring and to take that kind of defeat in week one and then to have to come right back and Newman's coming to your place, man, they showed up. I give a lot of credit to Rock Ridge and those players and that coaching staff. They come away with the 27-14 win. Rockridge jumped to an early lead, but Newman came right back to take a 14-13 lead into the second half. Rockets regained the lead for good. Braden Dean scored on an 18-yard run late in the third quarter. He ran, or he had 17 completions for uh, 215 yards with a touchdown. He also added two touchdowns on 20 carries. So, man, he is a dynamic athlete. He's getting the job done. Newman's got some athletes, too. But what a great game for the Three Rivers Conference, and what a great win for Rock Ridge. Yeah, I think I remember saying on our on our week one review that I, I didn't think that Rock Ridge played poorly against Princeton. It was just they were just so overmatched. Um, and they had no time to really, you know, uh, sit and soak about it because they had Newman coming in uh, here in week two. So, you know, when you, when you got Braden Deem and you got Peyton Locke, that offense is always going to come through. Um, and, and what a, like you said, what a big win for Rock Ridge, because this was a matchup that they didn't see in the, in the, uh, in the spring, you know, they, they go six and zero, but they hadn't played Princeton or Newman. So when you lose to Princeton week one, you know, you, you mind, mind maybe drifts, were they real? Were they not for real? But I think this reestablishes that yes, they are. Um, cause uh, a great win for, for Rock Ridge over a very good Newman team. Yeah. Let's keep moving right along. Kiwani defeats Morrison 28 to six. So the Boilermakers now sitting at two and oh, Mitch, I saw them firsthand on Friday night. They looked really impressive. Again, I've seen them the first two weeks of the season. They just have great team speed on both offense and defense. And they really limited what Morrison can do. I think Morrison was a little banged up with injuries this week. Hopefully they will continue to get healthy. But man, Kiwani really stifled what they were doing. It was 21-0, or sorry, 21-0. Then it became 21-6 just before the half. But second half, Kiwani got one more touchdown, but just really, you know, controlled what uh, Morrison was doing. Morrison did get down into the red zone and a tipped ball into the air. And Kiwani was right there, you know, ball hawk interception and bringing it back the other way to about the 50-yard line before he was chased out of bounds. But um, I saw Keontas Patterson. He looked really good for the Boilermakers. He had a great run, and then later that set up a touchdown. Uh, Will Bruno found him in the back of the end zone, was able to toe tap before he went out of bounds. Really great pitch and catch from them. So this Kiwani team is a team I'm looking for heading into um, divisional play in the Three Rivers. I think I think they can make some noise. Yeah, two two good weeks for them coming off the, the week one win over Monmouth-Roseville. Uh, like, like you said, Bruno and Patterson have been impressive both weeks, so – um, we'll get, we'll get into it in just a second, but kind of like what we were talking about earlier in the, in the Western big six, where the United Geneseo game kind of sets up how the conference is going to look. Kiwani has a matchup similar to that. We'll get to that in a minute here in week three. Yeah. This is where it gets exciting. Cause you start seeing these matchups and you know, it's like, man, I can't wait to see this team play this team. And I, you know, you start looking down the way and you see, you know, some potential real good matchups shaping up. We got that right away here. Uh, last game Saturday afternoon, Monmouth Roseville defeats Hall 40 to 32. 
Great bounce back win for Monmouth Roseville. They struggled in Kiwani in week one. They had a lot of turnovers and just couldn't get, you know, things moving in the right direction, but they bounced back and looked really good. Derek Chandler rushed for 192 yards and a touchdown. He also had 12 tackles and a fumble recovery. So just a dynamic athlete on both sides of the ball. That's big for Monmouth Roseville. Uh, quarterback Silas Braun, who we talked about before the season started, mm-hmm. he went 191 yards passing, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. So he's that playmaker that I think Monmouth Roseville thought they had that they they definitely need. So great bounce back win for Monmouth Roseville. Yeah, when you have Braun and Chandler combining for just under 400 yards, that's going to be tough to stop. So uh, nice bounce back, uh, like like you said, for Monmouth Blues in that, that week one to Kiwani. Um, and, and beating a Hall team that, you know, is, is 0-2, but put up a, a heck of a fight in this game that went back and forth. So, uh, yeah, great game here. And, uh, again, good for Monmouth Roseville to, to get some momentum as they head into conference play. Yep. Well, let's look into that conference play. Um, all divisional matchups now, except for Orion, will travel to Newman. So that's a, that's a crossover game. But the rest of these games will be within their own division St. Bede will be at Kiwani. So there's a big one. We just talked about Kiwani and now St. Bede sitting at 2-0 as well. Bureau Valley at Mendota. Here we go again. 2-0 teams yep. meeting up in week three to start conference play. Princeton at Spring Valley Hall. So a good rivalry game in the Three Rivers there. Erie Prophetstown at Sherrard. Monmouth Roseville at Morrison. And Riverdale at Rock Ridge. Mitch, where's, uh, where's your head go for game of the week here? Well, I'm looking at four games that are intriguing to me. Um, yeah, I don't want to take away any anything that you're gonna. <laughs> any no, go gonna, for it. Go for it. You, know, you look. You look at St. Bede and Kiwani, two two and O teams um, that have looked really good so far. So, and I'll just add that too. BV and Mendota, two two and O teams. So you have two games of, of undefeated teams that are going to really set themselves uh, ahead of one another here in, in their respective divisions. But then I'm also looking at EP Sherrard and Monmouth versus Morrison, which two teams can get their first wins of the year. Uh, obviously tough starts um, these first couple of weeks, close games in, in some instances. Um, and so here's an opportunity for these teams to get that win and hopefully get the ball rolling. If I had to pick a game of the week or one that intrigues me the most, um, the easy call is St. B. Kiwani, but I, I really want to see if, if BV can continue to play well against a good Mendota team. So uh, that's where I'm, I'm looking. Um, I'll put the challenge to you, Greg, if you can't pick St. B. Kiwani, where do you go? Oh man. Okay. So yeah, I like Bureau Valley Mendota. My next pick would have been St. B. Kiwani. If I can't yep. take that, if I can't go that route, let's go Erie Provincetown and Sherrard. Yeah. Which yes. one of these, which one of these teams can get the win now that they're in divisional play, which one of these teams can come away with a win? We talked about Erie Prophetstown, you know, coming up just short, you know, in two week in two games in a row. And then Sherrard has really struggled to get things going under new head coach Brandon Johnston. But we talked about we liked, you know, him there and maybe some of the potential that's there. So that's kind of where I'm going is what happens in that one. Um, and, you know, and like you said, Monmouth Roseville and Morrison is also one where if Monmouth Roseville can get that win, and then they're sitting at two and one. And I think that they have some games down the way that they could, you know, there's a potential run for them. But on the flip side, I think that Morrison is hungry for a win. They're at home. If I hope they're getting healthy. I don't know what the status is in some of their guys, 
But if they are, you know, they are desperate for a win. And that would be a big one against the Monmouth Roseville team that would come in playing as coming in playing pretty well. So yeah, overall good slate of games. Don't sleep on the Princeton hall rivalry either. You know, that yep. that's always a good one. Hall is certainly would love to, you know, win the rivalry this year and knock off Princeton, but man, Princeton's rolling. They look really good. Um, and then, you know, the other game Riverdale at rock Ridge. So rock Ridge looking to keep their momentum building and can Riverdale, you know, pull off the upset and get in the win column. So a lot of intriguing matchups in the three rivers, just like all these, uh, you know, all these conferences. Yep. Let's move right along to the Lincoln Trail. Looking back to week two, Mitch, how about those Abingdon Avon tornadoes? They show up in the Lincoln Trail, and here they are sitting at 2-0. and They beat Stark County 44-9. to And I'll be honest, I thought this game might have been kind of a toss-up game. I really yep. liked what I saw in Stark County in week one. But man, credit to Abbey and Avon. They they showed up and they looked really good. And they're sitting now at two and zero. Yeah, uh, that's what happens when the tornado comes to town, right? Um, <laughs> like you said, when we looked at this last week, it was Stark County looked so good week one, um, but so did Abbey and Avon, mm-hmm. and, and they just uh, they continued to roll. And this was another another display from them. Easton Schischler completes eighteen or sorry eight of thirteen passes for hundred yards, four scores. But he also rushes for 109 yards and uh, and a touchdown there. So five touchdowns for him. Uh, Jake Meanders had 88 yards on 10 carries for the Rebels. So Stark County still you know moving things along on the ground, but the tornadoes are just too tough this week. Yeah, that that was a score like I said that impressed me. We'll see what they can do um, moving forward. And also, I, I still think you know this Stark County team just you know wipe the slate clean with this one and move along. I still think there's a lot of talent there, and I think that. With some of the, you know, big bodies they got and some of the playmakers they have, I think they'll still make, uh, you know, they'll make some teams. They'll scare some teams. They're going to win some games in the Lincoln Trail. Let's move yep. along. Rova Williamsfield defeats Ridgewood 34-22. to So Rova Williamsfield is now 1-1 one and one, heading into week three. Ridgewood falls to 0-2. Oh Cougars get their first win as this program, as the Rova Williamsfield program. Running back Seth Johnson, he put up some big-time numbers, 289 yards on five touchdowns, uh, 19 carries. But the other thing that really impressed me is I saw their Twitter account put out the stat. They had seven different players carry the ball in that game, rushing for a 450 yards, averaging 10 yards per carry. So, Mitch, if you're a 1A school and you're going that deep with a 400 and fi- with 450 yards on seven different ball carriers, man, that's mm-hmm. a good sign. Yeah, and, and against a Ridgewood team who historically has been pretty good, uh, maybe going through a bit of a down year, unfortunately. But yeah, when you have th- that amount of players that can that can put you know that output out there, they're going to be tough to stop. So, uh, congrats to them. Like you said, first uh, first win under this uh, particular program umbrella. Um, and, and yeah, Seth Johnson, if we gave away a player of the week award, he would be up, he would be up for it. Cause that was, uh, you know, almost 300 yards and five touchdowns. Not a lot of guys are going to be able to do that. Yeah. I think, um, actually speaking of player of the week honors, I believe that deep dish football, if you follow uh, him yeah. along coach big beat, yeah. I think he named Seth Johnson, his okay. uh, player of the week. So shout well, out learned. to our, shout out to our area there. Coach big Pete, giving a shout out to Rova Williams field there. Yeah, Well-deserved. Yep, absolutely. All right. United gets the win over Princeville 38 to seven. And Mitch, this game was on Saturday, I believe. I believe it was Saturday afternoon. And man, I'll be honest, this score caught me off guard. 
38 to yeah. seven, a big time win for United. I did like what I saw um, against Anawan Weathersfield in the first quarter. I thought that they had some, you know, athletes that were moving the ball, Flynn and uh, Abel Wilson on the outside catching balls as a wide receiver. You know, they couldn't hang with Anawan Weathersfield in week one, but man, what a performance in week two. A Princeville team that we've talked a lot about. They've been very good the last, you know, handful of years. So, yeah, though, always, a, always a player in the LTC. And again, like Ridgewood, maybe they're having a down year. So we hate to see that, but all the credit to United, because like you said, it surprised you. You texted me on Saturday with the score. So um, yeah, great job by the Red Storm to get that, that win. Um, and as we look forward to, you know, what they have coming up, I don't think this is going to be the only win that they have at all. I think they're going to use this momentum to really keep it going. And um and, and again, with if you take out Princeville and Ridgewood, who are historically are, are really good contenders for that LTC title, it's starting to get a little bit clearer, but it's also starting to get a little bit muddy because with with you know these new teams that are in the conference now, with with Knoxville and and Avon both two and zero, you know two teams are, are kind of moving a little bit down the you know down the wayside, and two teams are really rising up. So uh, exciting stuff here in this conference for sure. Yeah, so credit to the United Red Storm and head coach David Milroy getting the big win there over Princeville. Anawan Weathersfield, they now move to 2-0. They got the non-conference win at West Hancock, 40 to nothing. That game was a Thursday night game. A&W sophomore quarterback Dylan Horry had 237 yards and four touchdowns. So Monmouth Rose, or sorry, Anawan Weathersfield continues to impress. The other game in the Lincoln Trail, unfortunately, was a forfeit win for Knoxville. They moved to 2-0. Mercer County had COVID issues, so they were forced to forfeit that one. So hopefully they are getting healthy and they will be back on the football field this week. But um, Knoxville now moves to 2-0 like you referenced. So Mitch, let's move down the list here in the Lincoln Trail Conference. A-Town at Ridgewood. Mercer County at Monmouth United. Anawan Weathersfield at Princeville. Stark County at Knoxville and Rova Williams field is in non-conference action on the road against Macomb. So Mitch, a lot of interesting matchups this week yeah. in the, in the Lincoln trail. What do you, what are you thinking? Well, we, we, you know, for, you know, first and foremost, we hope that Mercer County is, is back on the field this week um, and that they they're over their, their shutdown. Uh, Cause that, that's an intriguing game to play United um, and, and see who can come out there. Uh, other, you know, otherwise, I, I guess I would look at, you know, Weathersfield Princeville has been, you know, usually the the title, uh, you know, the title game, so to speak, or that's really what it comes down to in the conference. Um, and Stark County Knoxville can Stark County bounce back against a really good Knoxville team that hasn't played, you know, as much uh, as they, you know, gain from a forfeit win. They also haven't played by the time they kick off, they have, wouldn't have played in two weeks. So um, can Stark County maybe take advantage of that against a blue bullet team that I think is going to contend for the title. Um, so, yeah, like you said, a lot of intriguing matchups here this week that, uh, that are going to, again, like we talked about, kind of move a couple teams, gonna get a little more clear here in the conference. That's an interesting point that, yeah, Knoxville hasn't had that game reps, you know, for a week and a half, it'll be full two weeks once they get back on the field. So, you know, see how that affects them. That's the game that kind of stands out to me is, you know, Stark County at Knoxville. You got Stark County at one and one, Knoxville at two and oh. Based on recent history, you know, Knoxville's been the better program, but obviously long term, Stark County's been a great program. 
Right. Can can Stark County, based on recent history anyway, in the last few years, can Stark County pull off the upset here and go on the road to Knoxville? I I think that's one I look at as a as a potential really good game. And then I'm also curious that Rova Williams Field goes on the road to Macomb. Macomb's a little bit bigger school, non-conference game. Who knows how familiar they are with them or how familiar they are with each other. Um, can Rova Williams Field keep the momentum going, you know, into, into week three and grab that non-conference win? So, um, yep. yeah, the LTC scoreboard is going to be one to follow throughout the year because I these standings with two new teams playing really well right off the bat, I think that really shake things up, like you said. Let's <laughs> move into the Northwest Upstate Illini, eight-man and uh, week two scoreboards. So we'll start with the Northwest Upstate Illini 11-man division first. The big game, I think, the game that everybody kind of well, I guess a couple of big games, honestly. Uh, but Dupec at or Dupec played Forreston, and Dupec looked really good. They get the twenty-eight to nothing win. They move two and zero. Big win for this Dupec program. Uh, Hunter Hoffman, the quarterback for Dupec, led the way. He had uh, thirteen to twenty-four passing, one hundred and fifty-four yards, a pair of touchdowns. Dupec jumped out to a 20 nothing lead in this game and they kind of cruised from there. Um, Forreston coming off a big win against Stockton, but man, the Rivermen really did a great job of controlling them and shutting them down. Forreston only rushed for 134 yards. So just a really great effort all the way around from Dupec. And I, I said, right when I started, you know, talking about this game, I think this was such a big game for the Dupec program because you look back, I saw a tweet from the Dupec team. Yep. Yep. The year they started, their first year as a co-op, they played Forreston, the defending state champions, and got beat pretty handily. I can't remember exactly what the final score was, but Forreston took care of business pretty handily. And now you fast forward, and it's a program that's been building up and building up, and you felt like last year in the spring, even in a COVID year, you really saw signs of this team really being – that dynamic program ready to take the next step. This was yep. a big win in that process. Yeah. Um, like you said, I was going to reference that same thing that that's, you know, uh, it, it really good indicator of, of where this program has, has gone and where it continues to go um, because they really played well. And we've talked about Hunter Hoffman a lot on this show and uh, with Riverman being friends of the show, it's good to see them continuing to do well um, because this is a conference where, you know, some things shifted around and now every single game matters in the conference. There's no more divisions. There's no more wondering on who's going to be the one true champion. So, um, you know, as we get through more of these scores and we get through, you know, more results, but you're looking at, you know, Dupec, Lena and Fulton really starting to kind of be the, you know, the trifecta of teams that are, are one of the three is going to, is going to come out and emerge as the champ. So uh, is this the year that Dupec finally, you know, overtakes Lena Winslow. They're certainly playing like it. Not that Lena Winslow isn't, but they're certainly playing up to the level that you need to be in order to play Lena Winslow. Yeah, well, we, we will find out soon enough. Not this week, but soon enough we'll find out when, uh, you know, these teams play each other. Let's keep big, going big, down. Yeah, big game for Dupec, though, coming up this week. We'll talk about that. Yes, you are correct. Lena Winslow gets, gets the 46 to nothing win over Dakota. Lena Winslow's defense sparked by senior linebacker Brady Mahon. He had six tackles, two for a loss, and an interception. Dakota only managed 79 yards total. Just a great effort from Lena Winslow. 
And how about Mari Roby, Mitch? This guy continues to put up numbers and look good. Yeah, well, you, you bring up Mari Roby. He had 100, you know, just under 100 yards and 17 carries and a touchdown. But maybe, and that's a good point, Greg, because he gets a lot of attention and deservedly so. Yep. But there's another. There's another guy that is there and has been there. He was there last year. Ethan Five, 207 yards on 13 carries. He had a 54-yard touchdown uh, run less than two minutes in. They were up 30 nothing and a half. So, you know, Lena Wenzel just continues to, to be such a, a dominant team. Dakota having a down year. Uh, but when you have two guys that are each over uh, 100 yards, what can you do? So uh, great win for, for the Panthers. Um, and like we talked about, they continue to be the top dog in the conference uh, and, and playing like no one's going to catch them. So it'll be exciting to see if anybody can. Yep. Let's keep moving down the list. Fulton gets the win 30 to 20 over East Dubuque. Kind of a wild start in this one. This was the first game I went to the other night. Uh, Dawson Fayen for the East Dubuque Warriors returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Fulton then gets their, their first play from scrimmage. They answer right back with about a 50-some yard touchdown from Jacob Jones to tie it up at six. So kind of a wild start there going 6-6 right off the bat. East Dubuque would go up 12-6, but eventually Fulton's defense would settle in. Jacob Jones leads the ground attack, 194 yards, two touchdowns. Keegan Van Campen also had 102 yards and a touchdown. So just a really uh, great effort from Fulton. And, uh, you know, they continue to look good in the Northwest Upstate Illini. Did you mean that literally or figuratively, Greg? Uh, that's true. We'll get to that in a minute. Fulton, <laughs> <laughs> well, well played, Mitch. We can, we can yeah. lead into it right now. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Fulton will take a, you know, a quick pause. They look really good on the field, you know, playing wise, performance wise and uniform wise, Mitch, we're naming them our UniView uniform of the week for week two. Mitch, talk about what do you like about this uniform? I'll, I'll def de default to you first. Oh, we should have music for this. That'd be great. It's like <laughs> a, a, a catch song. Yeah, and this was, uh, I, I sent you a picture of, of back in, in my day from, uh, I believe that picture was from uh, 2005. So they, they've updated their look um, over the years. Their, their helmet used to be red and it had it had steamers written across it in a kind of a bubbly font. Um, it, it, that, it was a cool helmet. I always liked their helmet, but Fulton is so unique, right? They have such a cool nickname. They have such a cool story. The ambiance of going to a Fulton game just to kind of, go off on a, a tangent here. Fulton's a really cool place to see a game if you've never been there. It's right off the highway. You can see the field from the highway as you're driving through Fulton. Um, they've got this steamboat thing on a yeah. golf cart that drives around and it's really awesome. Yep. Uh, one thing that I love about that statement, and I think this, is, this has got to be somewhat new or maybe I just don't remember it. I love when teams do this. They have a huge board in the end zone with, with their historical records in their playoff history. I love that. I, I saw that, um, the, uh, and now I'm trying to think, uh, Deer Creek Mackinac does it. Okay. And, they, and, they, and they've been to playoffs like every year. Yeah. So they're, they're, their whole press box is just covered in the same. But I always thought that was so cool for a community to have something like that where they can really look back at historical teams. That's probably something that, you know, there's, there's dads who played and there's grandpas who played that can remember those teams. So uh, just to, like I said, get, getting aside from what their uniform looks like, the whole ambiance of Fulton is really cool. Um, uniform wise though, now they, they keep that red helmet. Now that they have that steamer, that steamboat, uh, decal logo on the side, 
And when you show me the pictures, I didn't know that they had done this, but now they've got an anchor on the back. If you've ever seen, I think Vanderbilt does that maybe. Yeah, um, something similar. Dupec does this something similar too. Yep. So a great addition. Um, they've got all black. Um, I, I think they have red pants too. They, they were wearing all black this weekend. It's an Under Armour set. It's really, really clean. Um, but really that, that helmet is, is really cool. So, um, it's a traditional, you know, Fulton look, um, just updated to with the times. So yeah, this is a tremendous pick for, for, Uniview uniform of the week. Um, and kudos. So like I said, I always, I always liked playing against Fulton. I always liked to go in there. So, uh, yeah, great pick here. Yeah. I like what I like about their uniform is they have the simple, simple shoulder stripes, but then yep. on the top of the shoulder pads, they have the steamer logo. And then they also have that steamer logo on the pants, but the pants yep. have no trim. The, the uniform itself, the Jersey has no other trim outside of that big stripe. And then they incorporate the anchor on the neck of the Jersey. Okay. So I just think it's not, it's over. It's, it's well done with their, with their logos and kind of making it their own look but it's not overdone with way too much trim and trying to do too much. Right. It's, it's just a really clean, like you said, clean uniform look. And man, that helmet is great. I like the old one. It was fine. You know, it was steamers kind of written in that cursive font, but this is much better. And this looks yeah. so good. Yeah. I, I wish I, I could remember. I'd have to look up when they won state in 91, I think it was. Yep. I would love, I'd love to see what their helmet looked like. If it was the one that I described, or maybe they even had a different one. Um, because yeah, a uniform that when we when we were talking on the uniform show, we talk about schools that are that are historically have have maintained the same look. And when you see them, you're like, yeah, that's that school. Fulton Fulton fits that mold, you know. And they've updated it to you know to modernize it with, like we said, an Under Armour set. Um, if they go all black at home, I don't know if they still have the, the red pants anymore. That was that was their historical look. They would always go black top and red pants. So yep. if they do, it's fine. If they don't, that's fine too. So um, yeah, screams Fulton. The helmet is awesome. Um, and, and yeah, I, I love everything about it. Getting quickly back to the uh, playoff, uh, the playoff board that they yeah. have in the end zone. I'm yeah. guessing um, head coach Patrick Lower was from Alito. And so Alito and now Mercer County has had the board very yep. similar to that for years and years. So I think yep. he's taken that tradition and adopted it now in Fulton. And I agree. It's just a really cool, you know, nice touch to have in the end zone. A lot of people can look at it and relate to it and know someone or maybe themselves on that board. And, you know, the stories, you know, it just connects the program to their history. And it's a really cool yep. idea. Yeah, one of those things that I wish every team did, but I hope that they don't because I really like it when I see it. Um, there you go. Because yeah, it's like like the every every point you just made. It's it's a cool thing. So if you can if you're listening, if you can never get to Fulton for a game, uh, I would take it in because it's a cool experience. Yep. All right, let's keep looking down the list here. Let's get back to talking, you know, football again, and, and not not just the uniforms, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Stockton gets the eighteen to thirteen win over uh, Eastland Pearl City. So they get the nice bounce back there in their yep. game. And Galena goes on the big road trip down to Madison, Illinois. They get the win 28 to nothing. So another bounce back win uh, there in Galena. They move to one and one on the season, getting that non-conference win. So Mitch, let's jump into the 11 man um, look ahead for week three. We have the big one, 
Dupec at Fulton. That's going to be a really great game in week three. We'll keep moving down the list. Stockton at Dakota. Forreston at Eastland Pearl City. Lena Winslow at Galena. There's another good game there. And East Dubuque is on the road at Deerfield, Wisconsin. Mitch, before we move along any farther, I did want to point out uh, Dawson Fayen from East Dubuque, their running back. Man, he looked great against Fulton. He had a couple runs. He had the kickoff return, and then he had a run from about the 10-yard line or something. He went about 70-some yards, bouncing off tacklers, just a really shifty back, but really powerful. Um, he looks really good for East Dubuque, so I, I want to keep an eye on him throughout the season. And then yeah, – um, Yeah, and they've had two tough games. You know, they, they play Fulton and Dupac their first two weeks, so – um, you know, good to see them, uh, in this one, like, like you were talking about that they, you know, uh, kind of traded some shots early on. So I think they're going to get some wins in this conference. Cause I think, uh, aside from Lena, the, the worst is behind them and, uh, they can, they can take what they learned and move forward. Yeah. Like we've talked about with a couple other teams, this is a team that seems to be better than an 0-2 record. Yeah. Seems like there's more there than that. So Mitch looking at the rest of the, uh, you know, matchups, what else do you look at? What do you what do you know about Deer Deerfield, Wisconsin? I, I don't know anything, so I'm gonna skip that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna look at Lee Wynn and Galena. Um, you know, Galena had a one point loss to Fulton in Week One, and then they bounced back for the win in Week Two. And this was a game in the, in the spring that was close. I, I think it was a one score game, if I remember it correctly. Or, or Lee Wynn like won really late when they yeah played they did the yep. So, um, yeah, can Galena can Galena be the team that that takes down Lena Winslow? Um, I, it's at Galena. So I, I'm really intrigued by that game. Um, if I couldn't pick Dupec and Fulton, because yeah, uh, that's just, you know, the up and comer against the newcomer, so to speak. So who's going to come out on top. That's, that's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, I'm not going to go that far on a limb. I'm going to say Dupec and Fulton. That's the, yeah. that's the game I'm yeah. looking at. So you can, you can harass, <laughs> harass me, but that's the where yeah. I'm going. Yeah. Way to go what, on a limb. what I really want to see is Dupex offense versus Fulton's defense. I think that's a good matchup. Um, on the flip side, though, I think if Fulton can kind of, you know, keep all their momentum moving forward, they kind of hurt themselves with penalties a little bit against East Dubuque in the beginning of that game. If they can settle in and kind of keep an offense moving, I think they have a great shot. You know, I think they have a great shot of putting up some points against Dupex, but Dupex got a good defense, man. We just talked about it. Yeah, like like you said, if, if if Fulton can can run the ball and control the clock, how does that affect Dupex offense? But like you said, Dupex defense is really good, so um, just adds to the intrigue. And uh, and yeah, I can't wait to to see that one. Uh, I assume it's on Friday. It might be on Saturday, but this weekend nonetheless. So looking forward to all, all these games have intrigue. So um, looking forward to it. Yep. So we'll look down the list one more time. Stockton at Dakota. East Dubuque non-conference action on the road at Deerfield, Wisconsin, Forreston at Eastland Pearl City, Dupec at Fulton, and Lee Wynn at Galena. Let's move to the eight-man ranks. Orangeville gets the 26-18 to road win at St. Thomas Moore. So I believe that Fult or Orangeville is now 2-0, so they are off to a good start. West Central, speaking of teams off to good starts, Yep. West Central, they're not in the Northwest Upstate Illini, but they are um, an eight-man team. They get the 66 to nothing win against West Prairie. Hopping back into the NUIC or the teams that represent the NUIC, Milledgeville, 24-12 over Amboy. Milledgeville quarterback Connor Nye, three touchdown passes. 
He's a name we've called uh, this year so far. So they get the 21 to 12 victory. Aquin put up big points. They win 44 to 14 over Milford. Polo 56 to nothing over Ashton Franklin Center. And South Beloit gets the 44 to 30 win over River Ridge. Mitch, for as exciting as I, you know, as I am to see these eight man teams from the Northwest Upstate Illini play each other, what I really am curious to see is some of these non conference, or I guess not non conference, but eight man games that are outside of the teams that are traditionally the Northwest Upstate Illini to see them yep. play other teams around the state. And I think you really see just how good the football is up in the Northwest right. Illinois area. I mean, the NUIC is always good, but now you're seeing it in another level, in another area of football, hopefully sometime soon, another area of IHSA football. But either way, I right. think the eight-man division is going to be proven to be really good in the Northwest Upstate Illini teams. Yeah, well, and like you said, this is, there's a lot of offense here, right? Um, Orangeville's 2-0. and they, they put up 67 in week one. Uh, and they get a closer win, so uh, not as much offensive output in this one, but a, a win nonetheless. West Central has over 100 points on the season through two weeks. Uh, you know, Millsville, a, a nice bounce back win. They had that close loss to Polo in week one. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, like you said, these these teams are really good. And when they play each other, they're going to uh, a de facto conference championship and, and de facto claim to being best in the conference. Uh, because that, that area is really where eight man is going to shine. Like you said, I need to keep these uh, eight man games on my radar, especially when it comes down to their eight man playoffs, man, I want to, I want to catch some, uh, you know, some NUIC teams doing great things in the, uh, in the eight man playoffs. But before yeah. we get there, let's look into week three. Some of the matchups here, Polo, who you just referenced, they're playing great. They get the, um, the road game at Amboy. So Polo at Amboy, Ashton Franklin center, at Peoria Heights, Aquin at Alden Hebron, River Ridge travels to Milledgeville, Kirkwood Hiawatha, who's another team that is 2-0 on the year, they will travel to Orangeville. So that's a good eight-man matchup right there. And Bushnell Prairie City at West Central. Quickly, Mitch, have you seen the numbers that West Central's been putting up so far? I got to look it up to see. Well, yeah, like I said, they they put up 66 – or sorry, they put up 66 in this week, and then I think there was 42 in week one. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an offensive, just d- dynamic team there. Yeah, they only won 42 to 40, but sometimes oh. an eight-man – sometimes you get those <laughs> shootouts at eight-man. But either yeah. way, that's a team that was really good in the spring, and they look to be really good again now. How about yeah. – uh, Hiawatha at Orangeville. That seems to me like the game of the week in eight, man. Yeah, um, I, I'd look to uh, Polo and Amboy. Um, uh, Polo, another team that we just talked about with West Central, an offensive, really powerhouse team. Amboy won week one before falling this week to Milledgeville, so can they bounce back? Um, and Aquin, can they continue to keep their offensive uh, uh, output going uh, against Hebron? So, uh, as we keep talking about all, all week and all the, or all show throughout all the conferences, as we get here to week three and every week hereafter, just really exciting and intriguing games all throughout. Yeah. I'm excited to get going, you know, getting back up to the top. I'm excited to see the Western big six kick it into play here and just kind of see how that conference shakes out. And, and all these conferences, I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of intriguing matchups that lead to some intriguing, you know, shakeup, you know, teams moving up and down and seeing who ends up where. And it's, you know, 
all in the almighty chase for five wins or that six wins to guarantee yourself a playoff spot. So, uh, so here we go. We're just getting started. We're kicking into high gear here. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When we talk next, we'll be a third of the way done with the regular season. So uh, just goes to show how quickly it can go and how every week matters. Yep, absolutely. All right, Mitch. Well, that will do it for this week. But as a reminder to everyone, go out and uh, check out the bonus episode. When this one ends in a few seconds, keep listening. Go check out the bonus episode. The, uh, you know, the kind of the making of or the behind the scenes of a Friday night and getting uh, local high school football on TV every Friday. Uh, take a listen to that. And Mitch, we talked about Fulton's uniform yeah. We talked about their helmet. What yeah. do you say last year, the UniView power rankings were uniforms. What yep. if this year we maybe just, we rank some helmets, Mitch, you up for that? Boy, it was, it was, it was hard to do the Jersey episode and just thinking off the top of my head, the helmet one might even be harder. So yeah. Uh, and, and even, it could be even a, a completely separate list um, with teams that might have a cooler helmet than they do a whole set or, uh, even the opposite is true. So yeah, I am uh, completely for that. Uh, and we'll be starting to think about that as soon as I'm done with this, uh, with this show. All right. Well, we'll, we'll start drawing that up and that'll be a bonus episode down the road here. Maybe, uh, you know, later in the regular season before we hit the playoffs, but uh, stay tuned for that more to come there, but check out the bonus episode and uh, have a great week. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the football. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.